our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our salvation. Amen. Our first scripture today is from the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. The voice of my beloved, look, he comes, leaping upon the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing in at the windows, looking through the lattice. My beloved speaks to me and says to me, Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. For now the winter is past and the rain is gone and over. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come. The voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth its figs and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, fair one, and come away. This is the word of the Lord. Our second scripture this morning is the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. Hear the word of God. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. This is the word of God for the people of God. One of the uh, last verses there, which wasn't read, but it, it goes on to say, you abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition, which is why we're going to talk about tradition today. According to the Leadership Magazine, way back from 1989, it says that there's a story about how in 1903, now that's a long time ago, 1903, the Russian Tsar noticed a sentry posted on the Kremlin grounds for no apparent reason. When he inquired, he discovered that in 1776, Catherine the Great found on that very spot the first flower of spring. She ordered that a sentry be posted there so that no one trampled that flower. So a sentry was dutifully posted on that spot for the next 127 years. Let's face it, some traditions die hard. We all have traditions. We all love the traditional worship service. I love hearing some of the traditional songs, Amazing Grace, How Great Thou Art, Blessed Be the Tides That Bind. 
We all have traditions. We have those traditions at Christmas where, you know, you always put up the Christmas tree on the first Saturday in December, or the Christmas music goes on Thanksgiving morning, unlike the radio stations that start them on October 31st. We all have some traditions within our families, and that's not saying that traditions are bad. But in our scripture today, we find such a situation where Jesus is almost mocking the tradition. About 500 years before Jesus was born, a group of people emerged whose interest was in the letter of the law. The letter of the law. As time passed, they evolved in a detailed code of 613 rules that regulated Jewish life down to the smallest of details. Now you heard the Pharisees asked Jesus the question, it's like, why didn't the disciples wash their hands ahead of time? Because the, the Pharisees knew that there was a certain way of washing your hands, and they had to do it according to the law, according to what was written in those 613 rules. Now, when I wash my hands, I put it under the, the hot water, and you sing the alphabet, A, B, C, D, just to get enough whatever hot water on your hands, put some soap, you know, and, and then you're done. Well, back then, they told them how they needed to wash their hands. And they washed their hands using one and a half eggshells. <laughs> let, let me stress that. One and a half eggshells of water. They would hold their hands a certain way. Somebody would pour the water on. They would use their fist to clean each of their inside of their hands and the water would run down their wrists. And then somebody else would pour another eggshell and a half of water, and they would put their hands down like this, and it would wash down this way, so it would wash it all off. Now, that doesn't mean that their hands were clean necessarily. They didn't use soap. They just used water. That doesn't mean that the person that washed their hands didn't already have spotless hands to begin with. But it was a ritual. It was a tradition for them to do this. They had to do it this way or it was wrong. They had to do it this way so it would be, be pleasing to God. But what, we, what it was really doing was being pleasing to those 613 rules. Now, let me say, with all the flu stuff that goes around in our area and stuff, I think washing our hands is a really good idea. But that's not why they did it. They didn't do it because of that. They did it because if they didn't have clean hands while they ate, they thought that was going against what God wanted. It was part of those rules that they had to live by. We all have rules to live by. In the Presbyterian Church, as I'm sure in the UCC Church, we have a book of order which tells us what we're to do, how we are to do it, how worship is to look, what's supposed to be included in worship, and if we go against that, even once in a blue moon, because we're trying something new, invariably you'll get somebody who's like, well, you know, we're not supposed to do it that way because the book of order tells us that we're not allowed to do that. Yet the other people in the congregation go, oh, that was really cool doing something different. So there's some people that really love staying to the letter of the law versus what may change somebody's heart. 
And that's what this scripture lesson is really telling us in the Gospel of Mark. It's telling us that we're supposed to praise God from our hearts, not necessarily from the law, not from the rules. You see, if we all keep the law and the rules in our heads and forget why we're doing it, then what's the point of doing it at all? Week after week, we read in the Presbyterian Church, we read the Apostles' Creed. We all say the Lord's Prayer. How many of you know the Lord's Prayer by heart? Everybody raise their hands. Of course, everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. But you get to the point to where you've memorized it and you don't realize what maybe you're really saying. Every once in a blue moon, I'll throw in a reverse Lord's Prayer to where they actually have to look at the words again. Sometimes with the Apostles' Creed, I'll ask them to open up their hymnals instead of using the traditional, huh, traditional Apostles' Creed, I'll have them do the ecumenical one where they actually have to read the words and, and understand what they're agreeing to again, that they're agreeing to what they believe. Sometimes we get in such traditions, such rituals, that they don't feed us anymore. When we come to the Lord's table, if you know why we're really coming to the table, knowing that Jesus died for us, he died for our sins while he was sinless, that he took all that pain on himself so that we didn't have that burden anymore. If we know why Jesus is present at this table and really think about it, then the Lord's table communion becomes so much more important. And that changes our heart, which is pleasing to God. And that's all God wants. God just wants to be pleased. It's not for us to be pleased. And if we do stuff where we don't have that, that burning sensation in our hearts, God knows that because God knows our hearts. God knows what's going on within our lives. God knows what's going on inside. If we're doing things just out of tradition because we need a check mark or we need just to do it, because you know, it's communion Sunday, okay, I'm gonna say the words, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. But if you really come with an open heart and know that God is there to, to open that heart for you, to change that heart so that you know why you're doing what you're doing instead of just doing it because you've always done it that way. That is what is pleasing to God. Now, as I said, traditions are not bad. We all do a Christmas Eve service. We all have to sing Silent Night. That is a beautiful tradition. We all put Christmas trees up or decorate our porches. That is a beautiful tradition. At Easter, a lot of us go to the Monday, Thursday, and then we have an Easter celebration on Easter morning. That is a tradition, and that is good. There are songs that I'm sure, Barb, that I'm sure that you love to play in the church. And they're probably very traditional hymns, hymns that may go back to the 1800s. And that's good, but it doesn't mean that you can't throw one that maybe came or was written in 2015 to start a new tradition, a new song. Traditions are good when you know the meaning behind the traditions. 
Now, when people get married and they have kids, I know, as most parents would say, you want your children to start their own traditions. But don't forget our important ones, that you will be here for Christmas dinner, or you will be here for Thanksgiving dinner. And yes, we are having turkey. No, we're not having beef. We're having turkey. Anybody relating to any of this? I thought so. Traditions are good. So traditions are good. Don't get me wrong. But when we're thinking about what the scripture is telling us, the idea is to have those traditions knowing that it will please God, not necessarily please ourselves. It's not necessarily going by the letter of the law, going by those 613 rules that the Pharisees had to go by. They went by those rules, but those rules were made by by human beings. Unlike God's rules were made by God. God's commandments were made by God. And that is what we are to follow. We are to follow to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and might. We are not supposed to hurt another person. We are not supposed to covet our neighbor. There is nothing in those Ten Commandments of how to live among each other and how to love God that says you must wash your hands a certain way with one and a half eggshells of water. What God has commanded us in those Ten Commandments is how we are to live together. And that is what pleases God. Not that you have enough water or not enough water so your hands are clean. It's all about what we're doing and listening to God's word for us and how to live. Traditions are good. God's commands are better. Amen and amen.
everything we have is a gift from you. We return to you what is yours. Bless these gifts, bless the givers, bless this, the ministry of your church. May our lives and these gifts serve to witness to your faithful and everlasting love revealed in Jesus Christ. Amen.
as you leave this place, know that traditions are good as long as they are to praise God. And we're not stuck in the old rituals and ruts. Traditions are good, but so are new ones. And as you leave this place, may the shalom of God, the love and the passion of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.